And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. And today we are doing something a little different. We don't have a specific topic, but I just kind of wanted to check in um, because it's been almost a year since our first broadcast. Yeah. Hi. Um, <laughs> we met at Politicon uh, last year uh, and we were at a young turks panel or was it the yeah. which one did we meet at the, the ben and turks panel i think yeah it was the anna one right yeah it was the With second the one, bernie sanders was... yeah yeah um and we were sitting next to each other we just had a lot of the same reactions to yeah. what was happening yes yeah, so so... similar like bobbleheading and then like <laughs> these kind of reactions and it was like oh hi hello person yeah. <laughs> at some point we got on the topic of mindfulness i don't have any idea how and then i had been thinking about wanting to do something like civil discourse for a while and i was like this person would be perfect um and then it was and then we both this year decided not to go to politicon so i think i think that's an interesting thing to to go into is kind of i guess your reasoning behind not going back because i think it's very similar to to my reasoning yeah, yeah. Politicon last year was like, I don't know. I think last year it, it, for me, it felt like this opportunity to have discussions about things that weren't really being had kind of in the larger space. And so I was very excited to go. And like, I remember I like went by myself and, and stayed overnight and, and just really kind of felt like, you know, this was an opportunity to kind of meet people who were also interested in you know, in these, in these topics, but also kind of how, how we can, you know, get involved. And so I was kind of looking at it as an opportunity to find a way to get involved. And this year, it just, I don't know, like initially when I saw that they, you know, that they were having it again, cause I kind of forgot about it. Um, when I saw the advertisements, like my initial thought was nah, And then I started seeing more and more people talking about it and talking about going. And then my ego's sense of FOMO started to kick in. It was like, oh, wait, should I go to this? Should I be, should I have gotten a ticket? Should I be there? You know, and, and realizing that like all of these kind of reasons of like, you know, thinking, well, maybe I will go. Well, it's not that far. You know, I don't have much going on that weekend. And then realizing that it wasn't actually coming from me. It was coming from just, there was a lot more interest in it this year than last year. So I was hearing about it more and didn't want to be left out and kind of had that like, you know, feeling of like that, like ego's like, well, I was there last year. Like I knew about this before everybody else did kind of thing. And I'm like, Marilyn, none of that matters. Like you, you don't need more of this because I think this year we're so saturated and inundated with conversations about politics and everybody's giving their opinion and everybody's so involved in it and there's a lot going on. So I get why we're talking about it, but it's so much that I'm finding myself needing to get away and take space. And so it was like going and spending a weekend kind of immersed in it and also immersed in it and also a very entertainment factor as well. You know, it was like very, you know, the panels are, or the discussions a lot of times are this person versus that person. And it's like, you know, it's supposed to be kind of a debate and, and, and very polarized. And like, there's so much of that right now. So much of the like tribalism of like us versus them and those types of conversations that I just really was like, mm, I don't think I need to pay money to go and, and see more of that right now, you know? So 
that's that's why I chose to not go this year. Yeah, I had pretty much the same experience. It was interesting because last year I was the only person I know who went. And this yeah. year it was all over my f- Facebook. It was very, very interesting how it kind of just exploded. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed myself last year because I don't think I went in with any expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, something just didn't connect for me when I was there. It, it was mm-hmm. kind of like how you were saying it. it for me, it, it felt more like it was about entertainment factor and was basically just this the same narratives of people arguing at each other that we see on the news every day and i guess i did have expectations because i was expecting it to be more activists on the ground and organizations to learn about to to join and to be Mm -hmm. involved with and that was kind of completely absent uh, i thought yeah some of that like there was like the like hall area where you could go and mm-hmm. find out about things which i actually did get a lot out of that part of spending time not going to a lot of the discussions on like the sunday and walking through there and meeting people and finding out what activists were actually doing um so i really because that was kind of part of what i wanted to do and so when i didn't really see a lot of that on saturday i kind of like intentionally sought it out um but it definitely was not the focus at all you kind of had to like look for it <laughs> Yeah. And since doing this show, I've, I don't even think I've consciously done this. I think it's been very subconscious. I've separated myself from, or I guess just stopped consuming uh, a lot of the, I guess the the typical kind of political media that's Mm -hmm. more talking points and talking heads arguing Mm -hmm. and and really yearn for just mindful discourse in, in in a way and i just didn't really feel there was one panel i went to uh while i was there that i felt was like that and it was under attended in the smallest hall um so and it, it just wasn't a to me a reflection of the majority of what i was experiencing mm-hmm. uh and it wasn't i i'm very appreciative that that existed because it it also made that contrast very glaring to me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and I was seeing the lineup and it was, I mean, it's just, I'm finding that I'm having less and less interest in, uh, I guess, political commentators or, or journalists who their type of journalism is to just kind of express their opinions and how they feel and I'm just more interested in hearing about things from activists and people who are actually experiencing it. Right. And that I, I didn't see that really reflected in the lineup in, in any way. It was just the political celebrities in, mm-hmm, in a totally. way and yeah. nothing really beyond that. Right. Well, cause I think it really is, it is an entertainment, you know, event right. and, and it's, it's, it, it builds itself that way too. You know, it's like where politics and entertainment intersect or something like that. Like that's kind of what, um, what it's about. And so, yeah, I think a lot of the, the lineup, um, you know, for the panels and stuff are, are people that are going to kind of draw that attention. People have, who have been some of the more vocal voices on either side, um, you know, over the last year or so. And I think like, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I still, you know, 
consume some of the kind of opinion media, but I also consume a lot less of it. And I just consume a lot less news in general. Um, cause it's just too much, you know? And so right. I think, yeah, that was just another, it was kind of like, it's the summer. I'm, I'm enjoying my weekend. Like, I don't want to inundate myself with this in a way that's not more solution oriented and more mm-hmm. into towards having like conversations that are going to be productive. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think Politicon is great in, because it's kind of the the standard entertainment, it can draw people in who aren't necessarily political, but then have a familiarity with that kind of entertainment. Because totally. I think it would be hard if we're doing a mindfulness politics thing and people aren't used to mindfulness or politics. It's like that's two things they have to be adjusted to as opposed to just just one. So right. I, I think it is it is a, a great thing to have mm-hmm. um yeah. it just yeah it wasn't where i was at this year and i'm very much where you're at where i was trying to think of topics i mean we've we haven't really done uh a recording in a couple of weeks and that's been mm-hmm. just because our schedule has been busy and we've had some technical issues mm-hmm. um but i've also n- just not known what topics to discuss because we've kind of been off politics for a while and politics always kind of kind of seep in because that's mm-hmm. who we are and we we care deeply about it right. um but i've just kind of separated myself from it because it's gotten so overwhelming and it's what you said what's overwhelming is i guess both sides just being so angry and not solution oriented mm-hmm. and there was a media works or uh, some media organization on Facebook put out a, uh, a a poll of the best independent media. And it was, it was very liberal, but it was just interesting because I was reading through the comments and I see this with a, a lot of people on both sides is that they really want journalists who just agree with everything they agree with. And they do not want to be challenged in any way because as soon as someone says something outside the narrative that they believe in, they attack that person as being against them and the other side and this crazy stuff. And I think it's just it's just so challenging because there are so few people like Amy Goodman comes to mind as someone who does this great is her show. And this is what I feel like we need more of. What I love about her show is. The first part is her just delivering the news and she tries and sometimes her opinion, I mean, we're all human, does seep in. But she actively tries to just say these are the facts as we know them right now. Um, And then she brings on activists and people who are directly involved and affected by the topic she's talking about to really lead the discussion. Yeah, she asks them questions and... um, but they're the ones telling their stories and she really yes. encourages that. And that just really resonates with me. And the interesting thing about it is all the other people on this list are very polarizing and I don't feel like they change people's minds ever. No. Like anyone who's not progressive just hates them all. And mm-hmm. nothing they say is going to change their mind because most of what they're saying 
is their opinions. Yes, they, they report the news, but it's everything around it is their opinion of that news. Where I know a lot of people consider Amy Goodman very progressive because of the the topics she covers. And I think that's just right. because that show in general is about activism. And activism tends to be more progressive in that the, the movements, at least now, the movements are more progressive. But she's equally critical of the, the Republican Party and the, the Democratic Party. But, yeah, she gives – it's not – the show's not about her ego. And I feel like so much of journalism now is about the journalist's ego mm -hmm. as opposed to her giving her time slot and her space to – people who need it and whose voices need to be heard and whose voices are actually going to be able to change people's minds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're spot on with that. And I think that like with more opinion journalism, I, I mean, I think it's, it's hard because so much of it is also about entertainment. Right. Right. And so I feel like when we got, when, you know, when things shifted and we went from like news being on at a set time of day to like, filling 24 hour news cycles and, and people who are really interested in, in entertainment and being entertainers doing news. I think it just kind of shifted the focus and it's so much about entertainment factor. And so we lose, you know, the facts and we lose a lot of actually finding out what's happening. You know, there's so many times where I'll watch news and be like, so what happened? You know what I like? So what, so what actually happened? And it's really hard. And then I have to like dig through stories and kind of look in all these different places to try to piece together what's factual or wait for maybe a few hours because oftentimes there's this jump to immediately start talking about something as soon as anything happens you know and so it's like you know you it, it takes a while to clear through the facts and and most of us aren't aren't you know going to try to do that a lot of times you know and, and don't even know that we have to do that because again it's being sold to us as news and not as opinion. And I think that like, it would be really different if a lot of the kind of opinion news with like pundits and things like that was, was, was billed as such, you know, and was actually, you know, I, I versus being mm -hmm. kind of sold to us as the news and, and, and these are the facts. And so it's hard because I don't think that there's no space for that. I think that it's, you know, fine. You know, I think wanting to know the opinions of the people who, you know, who you value their opinions is fine. But I also think it's important to like be told that that's what it is and not be, you know, it given to us as, as the facts. And I think that's the frustrating part um, for me is that it's, it's deceptive in, in, in that, um, you know, and, and I kind of lost my train of thought. Sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree yeah, because I think, and I don't, I don't know, I don't want to say this is bad or this is good or it's just, it's just an observation is that it, it does seem like there's just a lot more gray area and less labeling because I feel like things used to be clearer of this is kind of yeah. the, the mainstream news where you're going to get just the facts. And then here's our op-ed, here's the editorial section where, and here's satire and, and comedy, which yes. people used to very actively in that industry say we are not news and now you have people who are actually what's his name devin camp or lee camp i think he has a, a show where he ba it's basically very similar to the daily show it's online it's very progressive but he takes it 
to the level of I am news, oh. but then has the that the satire on it. So then it's like, well, you're yeah, you're news, but it's you're you're only showing news that's then for comedic value. Right. So it's, it's 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 just there's this yeah gray area, and then I've always thought that I mean we did a whole thing on on satire, but with satire too is mm-hmm. the whole well we're not news, but then it's like people c- can. People have such a an easy way out nowadays, I think, from whatever it is. They'll say, this is satire, or this is um, an op-ed, but it's not presented in that, I guess, classic way, so it's it's confusing. And then when they're challenged, they say, well, I'm a comedian, or well, I'm this. And and it's just, there's no... Yeah, I guess that's, that's my, my problem, is there's no accountability to... Our, our media in, in any way anyone can really just say anything and i don't i don't know what the solution to that is because i mean people will scream freedom freedom of speech and all that stuff but it just it's at some point there has to be i i would think there would have to be some kind of breaking point with it because i mean a big part of me separating is is also like i just it, it's it it burns you out having to do all the research to see what's real and what's not. And it's exhausting. I mean, I have so much more time than most people do. So when people are completely uninformed and saying things that make no sense because I've done the research, I'm like, I don't, I, I can't expect you to have done that research because you, you have two kids and you have a full-time job and you're like, yes. you don't have the time to do it. Like we shouldn't have a news media where you, have to do that to know if what you're being told is factually accurate or right. or not or right. in context. And I think I, I don't think there's as much fake news as people like to paint nowadays. I think the bigger problem is uh, out of context news mm-hmm. that people just cover the things that that fit their narrative and only include the statistics that fit their narrative only right. explain the statistics in a way that fit their narrative um but what the, what they're technically reporting is is accurate it's just not telling the right. the whole story and the the big picture so then people have uh not a, a clear understanding of what's actually going on i think right. that's the the real issue yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think right. I think that it's 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 less about just kind of blatant fake news, but just more about just how it's presented in a way to to fit whatever the narrative is that that's being sold on that station, you know, and it, it mm-hmm. is being sold. And I think that that's the other thing that's important is that there's so much money in advertising on the news. There's so it's it's a billion dollar industry. And so we have to kind of keep that in mind that it's, it's, it's something that's being sold to you. And so if we can kind of even just have that awareness about it, I think that that helps, you know, it helps for me because there was a, there was, I think that you're right that there, it did used to be more clear. Um, there were more kind of clear boundaries on what, what you were seeing and, and when, um, you know, it's like you sit down for the nightly news and you were able to get the nightly news, um, you know, but now it's it's definitely a lot more of a gray area. But I feel like with that gray area, um, I've just become so much more aware that this is a business and this is an industry and people are choosing to show me what, you know, they need to sell. So, yeah, yeah. I think the other thing that that I see that I think is 
I think I think a lot of this is also just a, a product of the way things have been for a real long time and that it's not conscious choices people are making because now there's this big push for independent media. But it, it's just it, it's kind of funny because so many of these independent journalists, yes, have a very different uh, narrative and they cover very different things that they feel that the mainstream news isn't covering Mm -hmm. but in a lot of ways because they're trying to be a counter to the mainstream media they end up doing a lot of the things the mainstream media does so they end up being very polarizing and very um, biased in their political ideology that just drives them in in a different way and i think a good example uh I'm trying to think of a conservative example too, because I just, I mean, I can, I, I see much more, I guess, progressive independent media. But um, the thing that comes to mind is just RussiaGate in in general. Is I have seen no uh, mindful coverage of <laughs> the Russia incident. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Amy Goodman. Um, on d- democracy now, but you have the mainstream media who, yes, it's a business and they have corporate sponsors who are clearly trying to paint a specific narrative. And then you have the independent journalists who are against that narrative. So basically anybody who even brings up a question mm-hmm. is engaging in propaganda in, in their opinion and is not reliable. And, the reality is, is it's it's somewhere in the middle and people need to be asking questions, but it, it's because it's so biased. There's just nothing meaningful in it. Right. Like did Trump, did Trump, do we have evidence that Trump actually colluded with Russia to, to, to swing the election? No, we don't. And we can have that argument, but there's also not evidence that he didn't. So asking the questions and, and, figuring that out and and opening that up because there there are weird occurrences and and red flags is Mm -hmm. also not not a bad thing it doesn't make you in the hands of the dnc or whatever the the narratives are they're just and i I just don't know the the solution because i just feel like they're unaware of it too they see themselves as just a counter to the mainstream media but in a lot of ways they're doing this the entertainment factor this the same kind of things that that the mainstream media is doing and i think it comes from a different a different place i think yeah. the mainstream media is worried about viewers because they have to appease their corporate sponsors right. and the independent media is very concerned about viewers because they need those viewers to spread their word and to actually be heard Right. Um, so they end up kind of doing the same thing for for different reasons, which is very. It's just, I yeah, I just don't have a solution to it, which I think is why I've been disengaging with it. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I think that what ends up happening is that there are a lot of things that both sides, whether it's corporate media, whether it's independent media, are not really talking about. Um, you know, and there's a lot of important news that actually does have facts, you know, already coming out. And I'm not at all saying don't report when stuff happens, you know, with 
Russia, like, you know, or anything related to that. I mean, I think that those are definitely like when facts come out or, or inconsistencies, you know, those things should be presented and asked questions and all of, you know, all of those things, but also not spending all of our time talking in circles about what we don't know about when there are actually things that we do know about. Um, like a lot of the stuff that the Department of Justice is doing to kind of change, you know, change the rules and, and, and change things around. And, and so it's, 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 it bothers me that every time I turn on the news, when I do try to check into it, I hear a lot of talking in circles about the same things that we don't really know for sure yet. But then there's facts that I have to like search for and look, you know, for people to talk about them. So, and I don't, I do that either you know because it's hard because i think also again it's that that entertainment piece Mm -hmm. and i do think i mean it's i guess if i have to say what i would think a solution is is what i was talking about earlier with democracy now and amy goodman is that i think the big problem is the entertainment piece becomes about talking heads and you get these consultants and these analysts who are actually not involved. They're just looking at data that was given to them as opposed to actually making the news about the people involved in what's being covered. And, and yes, you still get bias in there, but you get a very different narrative when you're talking to the organizations on the ground, actually trying to, create change or stop change and depending on what it is or then you do when you get oh. an ex polit yeah or when you get an ex politician who just has an opinion and really has no skin in the game and hasn't been with the people actually fighting on the ground and being affected by these things you just get yeah you get that that biased analytical just entertainment type thing. And I think that's what that is also an interesting thing that I think is missing is I think news should be a balance of analytical and emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's different kinds of emotion. And what I think the media tries to do now is in adding emotion, they try to rile people up to convince them of something or to push a narrative as opposed to presenting people who are being affected, let them tell their stories and let the audience have the reaction they're going to have. Yeah. They try to force an emotion as opposed to trusting that what they're offering is enough to let people analyze it themselves and feel what they feel based on the facts, I guess is what. Right. The facts from from the source, you know, right. the facts from the people who are being affected by it. And I, and that, that connection factor. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is that those are the stories that I really remember. Those are the things that usually resonate with us more, not kind of the, the, I mean, a lot of it, you know, I feel like a lot of the news that it's eliciting fear, you know, it's mm-hmm. eliciting that fear reaction and, and whether it's a fear of scarcity or a fear of, you know, encroachment or losing, you know, your resources, whatever it is. But I feel like a lot of times that that emotion that's being elicited is fear. And that doesn't really we, we can't really like we, we don't really digest that well. <laughs> and so we kind of end up just holding around this like ball of kind of anxiety versus when there's a story where, you know, 
whatever it is may be upsetting or be emotionally jarring or, or, or scary. But when you're able to kind of see someone talking about their own experience, you connect with it differently and you're able to move through that rather than kind of holding around this fear that I think a lot of times, Mm -hmm. you know, watching the news does to people, you know, as a, as a therapist, I've had to prescribe to a lot of my clients to turn off the news, you know, to, to, to turn off the notifications on their phone because it's really creating anxiety and tension in a lot of us that we're then carrying around into the world and carrying out into our relationships and our connections with other people and driving and all of these things. And so, um, I kind of went off on a tangent about the emotion of it, but, but I think that that's important because, you know, you have to do something with that and find a way to kind of diffuse that anxiety that we're, we're experiencing. And so that's one thing that I notice when I watch democracy now, and I watch Amy Goodman report, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I actually learn more, but I also don't feel like icky. You know, I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I have to like do something with the emotions that I'm, that are, that are, you know, being kind of swirled around from the, from the information I'm getting. So. Yeah. And I think too, the, the, the media in, in a generalization uh, is the way it, it operates puts people at a, um, a heightened state because it operates from a place of combativeness and um, challenging because I'm thinking about even when activists are brought on to uh, media shows or interviewed in an article, Mm -hmm. it's almost always from a combative place of the news anchor challenging that person. Yes. And it's not questioning to understand it's questioning to to challenge them. So then you actually never get, that's why most of the time it turns into yelling and you never get an actual understanding of what that person is doing. I'm thinking about just the difference in coverage and in, in so many things, but the Codex's pipeline, Black Lives Matter from Amy Goodman to the mainstream media. And whenever an activist was on the mainstream media for either of those things, they were just basically yelled at and it turned into yeah. a yelling match and you got no information where, yeah, yeah. Amy Goodman, she'll, if something you're saying doesn't make sense or it's not clear, she will get clarification. Yeah. But she really gives the stage to that activist to explain where they're coming from and where where they want to be going. And I think that allows people to then hear that and say, I agree. I don't agree. This made me feel this way. And, and kind of move on and let it affect them the way it does as opposed to just hearing the screaming match. Right. And then, and then it's also when it's the screaming match, it's easier for the, the media to control the narrative because you're bringing someone on for 30 seconds who ends up in a screaming match and then leaves and then you have the last word. So they constantly have the last word of like, look at this crazy person. Right. The, the, everyone in their cause is like this. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, yeah, I, I have no more words for it. Yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me of like reality TV and like how they like with producers and how like they like, you know, we'll have people on the show and kind of like put them together to like elicit a reaction and then be like, oh, right. this angry lady she's always trying to fight with people and it's like well maybe you shouldn't you know like it's like they manufacture these situations and then elicit a reaction and then show you these little these little bites of it you know for entertainment purposes so yeah so how's how's your uh 
mindfulness practice, I guess, been? My mindfulness practice has been, I would say it's been, I'm trying not to put a judgment on it. It's going. <laughs> it's still active. Um, I was going to say, oh, it's been good, but I'm like, I don't want to put a judgment on it. It's it. It's been consistently inconsistent. Um, I switch it up though a lot. So one of the things like my, I would say my mindfulness practice has been very consistent. Um, cause mindfulness, you know, can be so many different things. And so I do a lot of like mindfulness throughout the day with activities that I'm doing. I found myself doing chores with more ease, doing, um, just kind of getting through my day with more ease when I'm really intentionally practicing mindfulness throughout. And so that has been, um, really rewarding just kind of realizing like, oh, I actually don't hate washing dis dishes as much as I really thought I did, you know? Um, so things like that have been really good. My meditation practice has been um, in and out because I can't, I, I have not seemed to find an ideal time of day for myself. Um, mm -hmm. And so I keep kind of switching it up and, and I like, I, I'll get up in the morning and I like to do like an early morning um, sit and then I like to write and I do, um, Julia Cameron's artist way morning pages. So I do the three pages of like stream of consciousness writing. Um, and so I like to do a meditation before that, but I tend to do a maybe 10 minutes, 15 at the most, cause usually it's in the morning and I have less time. Um, but I'm struggling to find a way to incorporate it in the time of day that I actually do have more time, which would be in the evening. Mm -hmm. Later day, I found that if I try to sit in the evening, a lot of times I'll just fall asleep and you know, that happens and I, you know, I can accept that, but like, <laughs> I want to, you know, I, I don't, it, it, if I do that too many times, then I find that that's not helpful. And so I'm like, well, maybe I just need to try to find another time. So that's kind of been my struggle is that, um, warnings are good, but I have a limited amount of time. But then when I try to do it later, I'm not as. I don't know, just haven't found a way to make that work. Yeah. But I have also been doing more um, meditation in community settings, which has been really great. Um, we talked about, you know, finding a sangha and finding a community to work around, work with. And so that has been really effective. And so when I get myself to like an evening sit somewhere, um, that I, I find really resonates well. And I'm able to enjoy that and feel like, yeah. it's, you know, effective. So, yeah, yeah I need to do that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been telling myself for, I mean, I've been in Los Angeles three years and I've been telling myself a little, little over three years. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, that I bet would find a group for ever. And I just, I mean, I mean, I, it's, it's hard because the, I'm not, a, I'm not a morning person and most of them are like 7 a.m. And which is just not going to happen. And then uh, I'm busy most nights and I'm not in an area where anything is, very close so i just have a lot of easy excuses not to do it um and yeah i had family here um for a very long time kind of back to back so my practice really was just all over the place and non-existent for like a, a month and a half mm -hmm. and then uh i started to really see uh cha changes i mean i think you see them very very quickly of just uh i mean subtle changes of anxiety where you normally wouldn't have 
anxiety or I guess I feel when I stop practicing uh, a lot of um, subtle fear, um, a lot of resistance. Yeah. Um, I make a lot more excuses to not do things. Uh, and I, I started sitting again once everything kind of settled and everyone left and I had more time and that stuff had really quickly started to fade, um, which is great and shows the importance of being consistent, even when things are are crazy. And I started doing, um, it was hard when I first started getting back into it because yeah, I was falling asleep and I was having a lot of the thoughts you have whenever you stop and start of like, I really don't need to be doing this. I have other things I could be doing. (laughs) Um, so I, I always try to then integrate mindfulness into the things I'd rather be doing when I'm doing them. So mm-hmm. um, I've pretty much exclusively been tweeting and, and retweeting about uh, mindfulness topics. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've it, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and on Facebook, too, I've kind of... Uh, pushed out a lot of the the political stuff and replaced it with with mindfulness stuff and just looking at the the mindfulness uh articles because it's 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 interesting how your your brain works with specifically i think social media but i think it's more i think it's very apparent with social media but it's this is true for most things is that the I don't. I don't want to say addiction, but the the draw to social media, at least for me, is not content based. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I don't go on on social media being like I have to go find mindfulness things. I have to find right. um, politics things. I have to see what my friends are up to. There's just like a subconscious like, oh, I want to go on social media. So I actually have. Once I realized that there was a lot of ways to control what I was seeing in in a way or what I was actively seeking out because though sometimes sitting is just the most challenging thing ever because everything in my mind wants me to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. Every time I'm on social media, I'm, it's pretty easy for me to say, uh, I'll just read this mindfulness article instead of this political article because it's just, the act of being on social media that I want to be doing, not necessarily what I'm in, engaging with. And right. for me, a lot of that is also uh, monitoring what comes up on my feed. Because a lot of it's also instinctive. I see this political thing. I was like, I don't know that. And then I'm on this whole political tirade of research right. for three hours um, <laughs> when my time would have been much more mindfully spent um, in my mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but yeah, it's just like, I know we, we talked, I talked about this long, long time ago of all the ways you can do that on social media. Like I pretty mm-hmm. much never look at my news, my feed on Twitter. I only look at lists. Right, um, right, so yeah. then I know like, Oh, I'm in a mind. I need to be in a mindful place. I'll go to my Zen list. And it's just all the people I follow who tweet Zen related things and then i don't even see all the political stuff i don't see anything else um my facebook the same way with the see first you can put what profiles will show up first on your news feed and i unfollow a lot um i have lists on there as well i i unfollow 
a lot. But I also check in on who I've unfollowed because sometimes it's just uh, this person's having a week and I just can't deal with it. And I know this person well enough. So I'll unfollow them for the week and then I'll check in and then unfollow them, um, refollow them. Uh, So, yeah. And I've been seeing to do. So you've been intentional about doing that and being mindful about what you're allowing to pop up on your feed. Yeah. And a lot of that is research for me too, because I just see so much going around within the mindfulness community and in the, um, the, the psychology community of these very anti-social media, um, narratives, Mm -hmm. uh, which, which I understand because, uh, Social media, I think, is doing a lot of emotional and, and psychological harm, but I think blaming social media is not the right avenue because it's just a tool. Right. And there really are very mindful and uh, self-empowering ways to use uh, social media to have yeah. meaningful uh conversations and meaningful discourse and meaningful connections with yourself and with others um, that you wouldn't have the opportunity to connect with in in your daily life yeah yeah yeah, I I try really hard to go ahead yeah no I think it's a really um it's it it like you said it's a tool and with any tool it can be helpful or we can overuse it or it can be harmful and I think that like you know that um, judgment of kind of social media being like evil in and of itself is, is not really mindful, you know, cause right. it just is, it, it's, it's not going away. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just getting more and more involved in our lives and things like that. And, and it is a way for us to connect with people that we wouldn't connect with. I mean, I've found so many really emotionally and like spiritually nourishing communities through social media, through Facebook, through Instagram that I never would have Mm -hmm. found, you know, if we didn't have this tool and this resource. And I also need to be mindful that I can't spend all my time there. And I have to be mindful of how much I'm taking in and, and, you know, curating, you know, my feed so that it actually feels, you know, positive. And these are things that are value to me. And so a lot of the tips that you gave months back when we first talked about this, um, I did because I hadn't really thought about it that much. Um, you know, I would unfollow people that, you know, or things that were just kind of not really um, something I was interested in seeing constantly, but I didn't, you know, think about um, being as intentional about it as I was. I was taking kind of more of a just like let it happen approach. And I realized that, you know, I feel I don't have as negative of a experience with social media as I did towards like the end of last year. Um, mm-hmm. around like December, January last year, I was just really like over it and kind of in a negative space. But I also realized it's because I was not looking at it as a tool that I can hone to work for me, you know? Right. And so now I've really thought about, you know, even just like, I think this, you know, this is a community that we've built, um, in social media that that's positive and that, you know, is, is, is mindful. And, and so I've kind of thought about more of how can I communicate, you know, how can I participate in more of those communities or support those communities? Cause I do, I think that, you know, it, it's something that we, that we can really, um, that can really be a, 
a tool for growth, you know, for a lot of us. And so I've, I've actually, just as you were talking about that, I realized like, huh, you know, my whole kind of experience with and relationship with social media has changed in the last six or seven months. Right. And I think too, with social media, and I think in, in our generation and the, the younger generation is that it, it really is a, a, a type of addiction for many people. <laughs> and I think it's important to point out that the parallels to other kinds of addiction and the ways it's it's different. Um, I mean, it's like many drug addictions. I mean, it really can be as dangerous because people can become suicidal and majorly depressed and have major psychological issues that are, are triggered by social media. But the, the difference is that with many drugs, it, they're really just negative tools. There really is no positive to them when they're addicting in a way that is automatically life-threatening. Right. As opposed to social media, which can be very negative, but can be a tool to be very positive for self-growth and to broaden awareness and knowledge and, and empathy and, and, and all these things. So I think that is just an important place for us to to get to because I see a lot of people and we're on a completely different topic now, but I see a lot of people encouraged to kind of quit social media cold turkey. Mm. And these are people who have really used. And I mean, I, I think this is going to sound funny to a lot of people because a lot of people think social media is kind of this jokey thing, but I see it all the time where people really use social media as a type of therapy. Mm -hmm. And oh, you can yeah. tell that they're like, on the edge and it's like their last hope is for them to get this validation and like some of sometimes i see things and i'm like this is literally if i was seeing this in a note i would consider this person suicidal oh yeah definitely. but because it's on social media it, it gets very ignored and i think a lot of, i see it constantly where people are then told you need to take a break from social media take a break from social media and i'm like if this person takes a break from social media they're probably going to have a, a complete breakdown like it's they're literally the only avenue i see for them to express themselves and yes it's not the way they're using it's not healthy but if they were taught a healthy way to do it they may be actually able to to find a way to to thrive and really and change and a, adapt um, right right yeah so yeah yeah and even just the way you're talking about that that's how you that's how we deal with any addiction you know we you're taking something away. And so you, you have to find a way to replace, like you can't just, you create a vacuum <laughs> if you right. just take something away. So if somebody is spending, you know, and has grown up with social media, I mean, I didn't grow up with social media. I'm like the higher end of, you know, not quite millennial. Um, but for a lot of people, that's how they've communicated and how they've connected with people for most of their lives. And so to just kind of say, that's bad stop rather than figuring out a way for them to use that I don't think is really effective. And I think you're right. It can be really dangerous, um, you know? And so I think like we have to be more mindful about even just how we, you know, what we advise people to do around their relationship with social media, just, you know, and these tools and resources, because I think it is, it's, it's a relationship and it's something that is, um, for a lot of people can really be kind of that lifeline. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. So how, 
I guess we, we we've been on so many different topics. I love this. Um, so what what I guess what are your in in closing? What are just your thoughts? Um, uh, a year in, I guess on what what we're trying to do, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A year in, I feel like one of the biggest things that resonated for me with this, and I didn't realize this would happen, is that it has been very personally nourishing for me. And so I really was surprised by that. You know, I just thought, oh, we'll talk about these things and it'll be great. But I didn't realize that like at the, at the end of a lot of the discussions we have, I'm just like, oh, that felt good. Like I just, I feel better. And so I hope that we're creating a space for people where they can have that experience and feel like we can talk about things that are nuanced and, and confusing and, and complicated in a way that doesn't create defenses and doesn't bring everybody's defenses up. I think we're in a place right now where everybody's defenses are up and we're all very, very heavily armored in the world. And so I, I, I feel like this is, I'm hoping that we're creating a space where people can kind of um, feel like they can enter and, 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 and hear things and have discussions that don't bring up the defenses so that we can actually connect. And so, um, I've felt a connection just to, you know, just to you through this process and just to the the viewers. And so I feel like that's kind of the thing that's resonating with me is that this is, a, I feel very connected and I didn't, I didn't expect that. So yay. Yeah. For, for me, it's, it's interesting because on a, on a, I guess a personal note, uh, yeah, I think what I loved about it is just being able to get it out and have, an actual conversation because I mean, before this, so much of it was just in my head <laughs> and, and I have, I have a, a lot of friends who I could express my thoughts to, but they're not necessarily in the mindfulness world or they don't like bringing politics into it. Um, mm-hmm. So it it's very often a one way conversation. It's not a, a, a back and forth right yes and yes no type type thing so i mean it's great when i'll be talking about something and it's something i've thought about a million times and you say oh yeah and here's it from this other perspective and i'm like oh i never thought of that that's awesome and it just fits so and it's you were kind of on the i was kind of on the tail end of thinking it but i just never got there and just because there's a different perspective it takes you to these new places and I'm not I'm not really into the the marketing or the, the advertising. I mean I share on my Twitter, we have Facebook, but I don't pay for advertising or go into a bunch of blogs and threads and Facebook groups and try to promote. Um so our viewership isn't I mean it's it's slowly building, but uh it's been interesting because lately I think just what was it last week, 2 weeks ago, I got uh two random messages and one was just kind of a a a thank you that for that this person just really appreciated that there are spaces for this kind of discourse and the other one was a professor at a college who was wanting to talk about how to kind of integrate this into his political courses to try to get people talking about things in 
in a, in a deeper way as opposed to a combative way. And I started talking to the, the, the professor and it was very interesting because he's saying a lot of things, uh, that, that we talk about that he sees in his students that they just, they really don't know how to converse politically without their walls immediately going up and it, them prepping for war. Like as soon as they say you have this topic, you need to discuss it. He says it's like they're they're prepping to go to war, and mm-hmm. it's just yeah, nothing. They get very yeah. little out of it. Um, yeah. And he was saying he watched uh, the sh- the show, and I think it, it's it's funny because I meet people, and the civil discourse are the only things I make public on my personal profile. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people I meet, that's the only really they'll go look up me up on social media and that's really the only things they see so they'll start going through them which is how he ended up finding me he's a friend of my father's mm, okay um yeah and it was just it's interesting it, it's that's really interesting cool. that that yeah i mean i think that's for me as wanting to create this that's much more meaningful to me than i mean having a million followers on on twitter i think those personal engagements um are important. I think what is kind of missing from a lot of the the discourse yeah. we see is it is entertainment about how many viewers can we get, as opposed to really creating something they feel is meaningful and is going to resonate with the the people it resonates with. I mean, I've had negative feedback on it where people they want talking heads and they want that drama and that because they yearn for it and i said well that's that's never going to be the show because when i first started i was asking people for opinions and we've kind of morphed because at the beginning it was more panels um Mm -hmm. and the idea was that it was going to be people of um different viewpoints and trying to see if we can keep it mindful and it was impossible um, so then it kind of moved more into interviews and then it kind of moved into us just kind of chatting and going more into the mindfulness route and less just politics. Um, yeah. And uh, along the way, I was asking a lot of people for their views and a, a lot of it was, oh, I like what you're saying, but it's not entertaining. Mm-hmm. And because people are just accustomed to seeing that. And it was one of the big things I was like, well, that's the one thing I'm not going to change. I can change format, I can change topics, I can change um, all all those other things. But at the end of the day, this is about mindfulness and how we can create a a more mindful discourse. So by trying to focus on entertaining, it's the exact opposite. Exactly. And I think that 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 wasn't either of our intention kind of going forward. I think that, you know, we we weren't we weren't going into it looking to kind of, you know, for it to be entertaining. I mean, I think we both have separate things that we do that are for entertainment purposes and have our interests, but I, I like that this space is kept kind of safe is kept sacred and that it's not about entertainment. It's really about keeping things mindful. And, 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 and I also think that with that, with us being mindful, we we've transformed and morphed along the way into what, has needed to happen. And I think as we continue to go forward, we'll be open to doing that. And I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, that, um, that really resonated with me that it wasn't like when we kind of realized earlier on that we wanted to take it in a different direction, that I didn't feel that resistance. It was kind of like, we both just felt like this is where we need to go. And I think that part of 
us being so focused on the mindfulness and and keeping things in that place like we're we're able to do that and and let it go where it organically needs to be yeah and i shared a a quote uh, i think i shared a quote in the in the group mindfulness reaction on facebook uh that I, i don't have it in front of me but it was something about um not have feeling a need to please everybody and that the best thing you can do is to be balanced within yourself and be true to yourself. And when you do that, you become an example of thriving that people are inspired by. And I really feel that that is the kind of show I I want this to be and the, the kind of person uh, I want that to be. I don't want to spend my time trying to convince people to agree with me or to see things the way I see them. Um, I just want to express, I guess, my truth and people can watch it and take from it what they take and take it or leave it. And that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I, I'm in the same, I'm on the same page. So it's been, it's been a fun first year. It's been exciting for me, just kind of, having an opportunity to do this. And so excited to see where the next year takes us. Yes. And I do have homework. Um, What I would love is just for, I guess your, your opinions on what topics you would like us to go, go into either things you would like us to elaborate, elaborate on that we've already done or topics that we haven't yet covered um, that you would, like I guess a, a mindful perspective on um, yeah that's pretty much it because I would uh, a big part of where I'd like us to move on to is more in- engagement from uh, our audience because I think that is, is very important in creating a, a, a mindfulness community yeah, um, sure. and where people can have that that safe place to really explore mindfulness and whatever that means to them Um, because I know a lot of people that I've talked to to what we're doing really resonates but they they don't feel like they have a a safe place to um, explore deeper Um, and I mean there's only so much we can do on 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 social media but um, I think there's a lot we, I was going to say can we can do, do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a great homework. I would, I can't wait to hear from, hear from our audience and see what you guys want to hear more about and want us to explore. Yes. And we'll be back uh, regularly now. I'm going to consider the last month to be our kind of summer break. And yeah. then <laughs> we'll have uh, regular segments moving forward. So in the meantime, join us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, the group on Facebook is Mindfulness in Action Civil Discourse. Uh, let us know the, the topics you'd like us to talk about moving forward. And we'll see you or hear you uh, <laughs> next week. All right. See you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you.